So today we're going to be talking about Aquaman 2 The Lost Kingdom. We're going to get into lots of cool stuff, including some comic origins, some comic recommendations, breaking down the movie, maybe some of the Easter eggs, and then we're going to talk about an update on our box office draft. I want to start by saying Andrew fell asleep during the first Aquaman. So the but, fact that he made it through this one says that it's better, right? But did I you did, like it better? I liked it better. But yeah, so we rate movies in six different categories. This helps us give a non-biased, as much as possible, non-biased review and rating for a movie. This is my lowest score. I gave it a four out of 10. What's going on here? There's, there's so much happening. Yeah, it's, oh my God, there's just so much. It's, yeah. It's all, but I mean, it's chaotic. I mean, this is, this is the same as a Star Wars fight scene. Like, uh, uh, no, it's not. But Look it's, how much cleaner this is already. But it's all about execution, you know? You can say, like, it's the same idea, but... So yeah, look like look at this. It's just... We're following two ships. Following them very easily, right? Like... There's some ships in the background. Yeah, bam! My first question to, would be to <laughs> Zach, and it would be, when you saw these picks, who did you think was going to win at the beginning of the year? Welcome to Backseat Directing. Where we talk about movies, TV shows, comics, and more. We're your hosts, Andrew and Aaron, and today with Zach. We put out new episodes every Monday and Thursday. And on this episode, we're doing a movie review on Aquaman, The Lost Kingdom. Three, two, one, action. The timing was perfect. Yeah, I don't know why I high-fived instead of uh, <laughs> slapping our stick here. So today we're going to be talking about Aquaman 2 The Lost Kingdom. We're going to get into lots of cool stuff, including some comic origins, some comic recommendations, breaking down the movie, maybe some of the Easter eggs. And then we're going to talk about an update on our box office draft because this is the last movie to come out for both of our teams, but for Aaron's team specifically. But before we get to any of that, welcome back to the show, Zach. It's been a really long time since we've had you. If people have been subscribed to us or watching for a while, following for a while, they Zach's definitely famous. remember you. <laughs> Um, have, has having been on like more of our episodes almost than anyone else, probably getting tied with Justin at this point. Yeah, I think it was episode 102 that you were on last, and we just posted 152. Dang, 50 episodes I've missed. Zach's been very busy with uh, making achievements in his personal life. It's been four to five months. That's crazy. It's a while. I'm glad to be back. I miss you guys. I know. It's good to have you back. But in honor of your return to the show, I guess the first question from here is, in general, what did you think about Aquaman 2, The Lost Kingdom? I enjoyed it. Zach's I, a big DC fan, just to set the stage. I am a big DC fan, and I'm also not as critical as these guys are. Um, but I'm glad I, you're here Not today. critical at all. <laughs> yeah, I'm, right? glad, I'm glad you're here for today's episode. <laughs> I went in, and I don't know. I had fun with it. I mean, it was definitely not like the perfect movie. It, it hasn't cracked any of my top, you know, 10 lists or anything like that, but I enjoyed it. I judge you so bad if it cracked your top 10. <laughs> um, Aaron, what did you think about Aquaman 2? I'm glad Zach's here to bring some positivity <laughs> into this episode. It was okay. I feel like it was only fun because it was with you guys and we got to like turn over and look at each other and be like, oh, that was ridiculous. Or like, did you see that? That was ridiculous. I feel Not like necessarily because it was like a good movie. I turned to you guys once or twice, actually, with a positive like, oh, that was kind of badass, uh, which we'll get into it more. But specifically with uh, the scene where Aquaman comes into the house or um, 
Black Manta comes into the house. Like, yeah. I turned to you guys and I was like, that was cool. Like um, a two-second shot out yeah. of a two-hour movie. <laughs> yeah. But um, also, I'll say at the beginning of the episode, spoiler yeah. warning. Um, spoiler warning for Aquaman 2. We're going to get into spoiling the entirety of the movie. Um, and thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate anyone who clicked on this video. We've been kind of having some recent little growth spurt for our channel, which has been really nice, getting a lot of views in some of our recent videos. Our most viewed video, uh, Blue-Eyed Samurai, is just a few episodes back if you want to check that out. Best show of the year is what yeah, it's titled. Best show of the year. If you want to check that one out, that is our, now our most viewed video. So thank you for joining us, whether you're new or returning. We really appreciate it. And just make sure to like, follow, rate, review, share with friends and family, and it means a ton. It helps us grow even more, and that's what we're here for. We, we want to grow this community and talk with you guys about movies so absolutely and we have a bunch of stuff coming out in the new year that we want to that we're excited to get out you know we have a bunch of end of the year type topics that we want to talk about one of which being the box office draft which we're gonna do a little bit of a tease of where we're at right now where we're sitting who's winning and whatnot and then uh the beginning of next year we have to do our 2024 draft Ooh, that's exciting. Yeah, 2024 is looking a little lean, in my opinion. Yeah, uh, 2025 draft is going to Oh, that's going to go. go buck wild. <laughs> uh, 2025 looks like the year for movies. Yeah. That's right. But I kind of want to get into Aquaman because we're going to have a lot to say here. Yeah, we, we each did our first little, like, thoughts. Did you say yours? Like, what was your initial thoughts of Aquaman? I thought it kind of like, I said this to you guys earlier, or last night, really, this morning at, 1 a, at 1230 in the morning, that yeah. um, I feel like this movie harkened back to, like, some of, like, to me, like feels like it reminds me of specifically Hellboy Two, the Golden Circle, which I feel like is a movie, or the Golden Army, which I feel like is a movie that's like just fun, and you can't look at it too critically. And Aaron, I think you said something about it being like the way superhero movies used to be before they mm -hmm. were really scrutinized and had the fan base that they do now. And I think that is a really fair comparison. Like this movie is, to me, nothing special. Um, I feel like it comes out amidst like a bunch of other superhero movies and doesn't really like plant its flag in the ground, like showing anything different, but it's just like, okay, it's just fun. It wasn't it was a total nightmare. Yeah. Yeah. It's just very cheesy, you know, it's not, it's to, not for my specific tastes. Yeah. Um, so sorry, my format on my computer here is all wonky. So mess me up, but I want to pre- uh, I want to start by saying Andrew fell asleep during the first Aquaman. So the but, fact that he made it through this one <laughs> says that it's better, right? But did I you did, like it better? I liked it better. No, the first one is better. Okay. Um, this one, I had an energy drink earlier, like a little bit before going to see it. Um, and I was like yawning throughout it. Because both Aquaman 1 and 2 I saw in theaters like late at night. We saw this last night, this, the 920 showing, which for me is kind of late. Mm -hmm. two-hour movie. Um, but yeah, I mean, I stayed awake through it, but I still feel like I've recently rewatched the first one, and I feel like the first one is better. Better shot, more cohesive story, like a little bit less messy. Yeah. Um, we're going to do a little recap of the first one, and then we can kind of jump into... The second Aquaman, The Last Kingdom. So, Andrew, what happened in this first movie? It's I've only seen it once, and it was at the beginning of this year, end of last year. Tell me what happened in it. So, Aquaman 1 starts out uh, with Queen Atlanta fleeing her arranged marriage to King Orvax, who is kind of this, like, tyrannical... Um, negatively viewed king of Atlantis at the time, she washes up on the shores of a lighthouse where Tom Curry, Aquaman's dad, finds her. Uh, he he brings her in and, and helps her. Um, she's kind of mending her wounds at this point. She washed up on shore. They fall in love. They have a child. 
that they name Arthur, Arthur Curry, who will come to be the Aquaman when he grows up. We see uh, the people of Atlantis come back to take uh, to take Atlanta back to force her into her arranged marriage. Uh, she fights them off, but ultimately decides to go with them to keep uh, her now her uh, her baby daddy, <laughs> her beloved, and her, and her son safe. So she goes back and goes to the to be married to King Orvax, and she sires a child there, which is Aquaman's younger brother, Prince Orm. And then the next thing we see for Aquaman is he's aged a little bit. He's like a young elementary school age, maybe looking child. And we he, that's where he learns he can talk to fish at this aquarium. The fish come to his aid where he's being bullied. Uh, then we go a little further and skip, well, a lot further. We skip to uh, this sub being attacked by pirates. One of the pirates being David Kane along with his father. Aquaman comes to save the crew. And in doing so, he leaves um, David Kane's father, the pirate, to drown on this ship where David Kane swears his vengeance against Aquaman, which will eventually lead him on the path to becoming Black Manta. Now, um, then Aquaman is skipping a little bit here, but Aquaman is driving along the coast with his dad and a giant tidal wave comes up on the earth which is the first indication we see of King Orm attacking the surface world. He's sending tidal waves full of the Earth's garbage back onto the surface. Mira helps Aquaman save his father, and this is where Aquaman realizes that he cannot ignore his second half of his life. He cannot ignore King Orm's rise to power because Orm is going to take the fight to the surface, so he has to take the fight to Orm to save the surface that he loves. He goes to Atlantis with, with Mira, where he meets up with... Um, Willem Dafoe's character, Volko, that's Volko, his name. Yeah. So he meets up with Volko, um, and Volko unveils that although he is, although him and Mira are working alongside King Orm, they're secretly um, kind of traitors to him. They would be seen as traitors to Atlantis, um, kind of in the same way that like the Founding Fathers would be seen as traitors to the British, because they're they're trying to they're undertaking this um, this this journey to save Atlantis by betraying the throne. Now, um, this is where Volko reveals that he's been training Aquaman since he was young, uh, training him eventually for the goal to have his claim to the throne and take over from Orm and be kind of a more righteous king. Now, Volko also shows them the trident of Atlan, which is um, the new journey that they're going to set up on. The original plan is that they're going to go after the trident of Atlan. They're going to free it and by Aquaman picking up the trident, he will, by Atlantean's most sacred law and their prophecy, reveal himself to be the true king, and then he'll take over the throne. Aquaman, they get kind of uh, stupidly changes the plan when they get caught in their meeting by the Atlantean forces. He then challenges Orm to a fight. As he's losing the fight, Queen Mira steps in, saves his life, reveals herself to be what is seen as a traitor, and escapes in a ship with Aquaman. Then from there, they go to a desert. The desert, uh, the kingdom there, leads them to this device that will show them where they can find the Trident of Atlan. Uh, Mira and Aquaman use the device to discover that the Trident of Atlan is in the trench. This is a very dense moving plot. These movies are fast moving. So they find out that it's in the trench, but here they're attacked by Black Manta. So Black Manta has gotten this armor from Prince Orm, uh, or King Orm at this point. He's gotten this armor that he spray-painted black and outmoded to be the Black Manta armor out of Atlantean tech, and he attacks them where this battle ensues. They narrowly escape with their life, and uh, 
Black Manta gets mortally injured. He gets thrown down this cliffside and falls into the water. Now, Mira and Aquaman having just escaped, they're going towards the trench to find the trident. They get attacked by these like zombie-like creatures with a massive horde of them. They dive down into the water and the where they go deeper and deeper, being protected only by a flare. They get to this storm in the water that they have to dive into to escape the monsters. And there on the other side, they find this oasis where they find out that Queen Atlanta has been hiding this whole time, so they thought that Atlanta had been killed when Orvax found out that she sired a son on the surface world. She had been cast into the trench, but she, just like Aquaman and Mira, escaped to the storm and found this oasis where she survived from the creatures and has been living there. The only person who can go beyond the waterfall, though, to get the trident from Atlan is somebody who is a true king. So it has to be Aquaman that goes beyond. He sees a sea creature there. The creature, the Kraken creature tries to kill him, but he speaks with it. And she says the only one who's been able to speak with her is in, in eons, who the only one to converse with her was Atlan himself. So she gives him the chance to pull the trident and he does, unveiling himself to be the one true king from there. He forces himself to fly back to the field of battle where the Brine Kingdom is fighting with King Orm and the other forces he's... He's built from there with Dolph Lundgren, Mira's dad. Aquaman comes in, turns the tide of battle. He takes Mira's advice and takes the fight onto the surface so that he can fight Orm on his turf. He wins the fight with Orm and sends Orm to prison where he like gives him a wink and says, brother, um, when you're ready to talk, I'll be here. So he is kind, he, he kind of setting up the events for the second movie that we lead into here. Aquaman accepts his role as king, and that brings us to the beginning of Aquaman 2. Dang. That was a lot. That's a, a lot. lot happened in this movie. I tried to be succinct with it, but it is very dense. Yes. A lot. That was good. That was good. That's that's one of the complaints that I have with this movie is that so much happened. Um, but I think the first one did explore all those things a little more thoroughly than the second one. Um, what would you say the second one's about? The second one? You don't have to go as much detail. Like a brief... <laughs> Summary. The second one is Aquaman struggling with his um, his life being torn between two worlds on the surface and being the king of Atlantis. The His mortal enemy returns from the first movie with now having discovered the Black Trident. Um, and Aquaman... Now we're going to spoil the movie. He kidnaps Aquaman's son um, to try to bring back this evil villain. And Aquaman goes and fights him and kicks his ass. But... Um, alongside his brother from the first movie. Nice. Now, did you want to go into some source code before we go into the ratings and creators? Let's and then the source code after. After? A lot of talking. Okay. <laughs> um, this movie obviously came out this year, 2023. It's rated PG-13. It's two hours and four minutes. I thought it was a little longer. Felt um, IMDb has it a six out of ten. Rotten Tomatoes for the critics has it at 36% with 140 reviews. And then 78% with 250 audience reviews. The budget for this movie is $205 million, which could be skewed a little bit because of all the reshoots that they had. Wouldn't be surprised if it was actually more. Um, the creators. So we talk about who's in front and behind the camera. Take it away. All right, so behind the camera, we've got our director, James Wan, notably known for obviously directing Aquaman 1 and the Saw franchise, a bunch of other horror movies like Insidious, which is likely where he met Patrick Wilson, who comes to star in this movie. Uh, it's written by specifically the screenplay, which is like the dialogue you'll see in the movie and like the specifics of the movie are written by uh, David Wesley Johnson McGoldrick. Uh, and then the story, like the overarching storyboard aspect of the movie is done by that same individual along with James Wan, Jason Momoa, and Thomas Pa Sivit, 
whose name I hope I'm pronouncing correctly. The cinematographer is Don Burgess, who's been working since like 1979 as a cinematographer. He has a long career of movies, including Richie Rich with Macaulay Culkin. Um, the editing is done by Kirk M. Morey. The music is by Rupert Gregson Williams. And the character of Aquaman, who they also get writing and story credits, are Mort Weisinger and Paul Norris. Now, um, that brings us to who is in front of the camera. Kind of some confusing names here, so I'm going to try to like iron out at the same time who is who with some of these Atlantean <laughs> names for anybody <laughs> listening who might have been confused. We did the same thing in our Avatar episode describing yeah. what some of the names meant. So um, Jason Momoa is Arthur Curry or Aquaman or the King of Atlantis. Patrick Wilson is King Orm, but he can also be called Ocean Master. That's his comic book title and his name in the first movie. Um, Black Manta, I'm hoping that I can pronounce his name correctly because it's, for me, a difficult one. It's uh, Yah Abdul-Mateen II. Um, Mira is played by Amber Heard, who... Um, who? Moving on. Uh, <laughs> Nicole Kidman returns in this movie as Queen Atlana. Um, Randall Park plays Dr. Stephen Shin, who is interestingly also a character in the comics that we'll get to later when we do our comic origins later in the episode. Um, and then important important character, Tom Curry, Aquaman's dad, is um, played by Timura Morrison. Morrison. What else do they call him, Zach? You were saying it throughout the movie. He plays Boba Fett. Oh, that's why you said Boba. Okay. Yeah. So he's, he's Boba Fett in Star Wars. Yeah, yeah, I forgot <laughs> about that. Um, I didn't know this until this movie you pointed out to me. Dolph Lundgren plays King Nereus, which is also King Mira's dad. Um, Martin Short voices King Fish, which is like the king of the Brine Kingdom who gets his claw cut off in this movie. And the rest of these characters, and you might not recognize them. I thought much. King Fish was the blue guy that they put the helmet on. Oh, was that who Martin Short was? Yeah, I think who, so. Who was the king of the oh the king of the Brine Kingdom was uh, John Reese Davis Davies. Okay, you're right. A lot of kings catch. down yeah. there under the sea. A lot of monarchs. Yeah, that's in, that's the distinction I was trying to draw, but muddy the waters a little bit. It's like <laughs> these people have Atlantean names for one, and mm -hmm. then they might just be called king or like a, another title like Ocean Master. So yeah. I think it can be really confusing. Okay, are you ready to break down the movie into our rating system? Let's do it. All right, so we rank movies off of six different categories, and that gives us oh, our... Oh, before we... Don't you normally do the budget reviews and ratings? I already did. Wow, I blanked. <laughs> he did? Where are you been? He did? Yeah. <laughs> you did your, yeah, your recap of the first IMDb. movie, wow. a quick little summary of Not the second... Good. I did the IMDb scores and whatnot, I missed, I missed and then I teed thing. you up for the creators. Missed that whole thing. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. You did really good on your part, though. <laughs> but yeah, so we rate movies in six different categories. This helps us give a non-biased, as much as possible, non-biased review and rating for a movie. And the first category we have out of 10 points, and that is story arguably one of the most important ones and this is my lowest score i gave it a four out of ten what did you guys give it uh, i gave it a six out of ten okay i gave it a five out of ten okay four five six um i feel uh, let me justify my four and then we'll go to zach's six and then we'll see if you're in the middle of that this is not his first time having to justify his four <laughs> <laughs> It's about how you use it, baby. <laughs> Unfortunately, Aquaman didn't use it very good. Uh, but I feel like there was just too much crammed into this movie. Part of that could have been all the reshoots and 
real life drama that got in the way of production, but it seemed like as soon as we got to a scene, that scene was solved over and we moved on to the next one really, really quick. Every problem that arose, they had a solution in a matter of seconds. Nothing was drawn out. There was no suspense, no tension. I didn't feel like the characters were in any real uh, danger. There was no stakes, it felt like. Um, they, I mean, when, when we, they're running through the jungle and all those animals are chasing them or bugs are chasing them, like they solved that pretty quick, maybe a few jokes in there. And then when they were underwater meeting that Jubba Fett King master guy <laughs> uh, or Jubba the Hut looking guy, they beat him up pretty quick and all of his scary men, you know, like he was supposed to be so intimidating, but then... Aquaman beat him in three seconds. And then even at the end of the movie, at the big fight, nothing really happened. Um, Black Manta got beat real quick. And then the brother ended up putting the blood on this pallet in two seconds, which was the whole mission of the movie. And then when the, I don't even know the guy's name, the guy who was in the ice the whole time that they were trying to free when he got out, or cord, cordax, yeah. As soon as cordax with a D, yeah, I think. Yeah. As soon as he got out of the movie, or out of the ice, Aquaman hit him with two two tridents, and he was done. You know, and it was like, oh, it's the second trident that gets you. Yeah, I waited the whole movie for that. That that was very uh, anticlimactic. What, what even earned it the four points for you? Jeez, um, that they did it. <laughs> That they they made it. <laughs> it's like a test when you go and you get like X amount of points for just putting. Your team on it. Yeah. I I um I gave it a five because I thought that like there were redeeming qualities that pulled it back up to me for like a, a five is like hard to call the middle of the road. I feel like a seven is like a C is like middle of the road is like decent. A five is a little bit lower. So for me, I really like the environmentalist aspects. I think it's cool that they hit on that. And that they dedicated to it from the first movie. Mm -hmm. I like the fact that they used a recurring villain from the first movie because I felt like there I, there was more connection to Black Manta because they didn't just waste a villain from the first movie. They didn't like use Thor: The Dark World and just let's bring out some obscure Malekith that no one's like. They brought out a guy who had a cool motivation. There's like an emotional connection to Aquaman leaving his dad for dead in the first movie, and the actors jacked and. I thought I think he performs really well with the intimidation aspect. He's a strong aspect of this movie, along with Patrick Wilson. I thought he did a good job too as Orm. Um, I thought that there were like some cool aspects, but then they kind of undercut them as well. I I dragged it down to a five because like kind of like you said, the ending is super anticlimactic. They pull the rug out from under Black Manta, Black Manta, and give the Black Trident to Orm instead, and then just the two Trident throws at the end was super anticlimactic. There's no real good fight. It felt really messy along the way. Like I didn't feel any like I didn't feel enough of a connection to the things I should have felt a connection to. Like I didn't feel a connection to Aqua Baby. I didn't feel a connection to like these fantastical worlds. Like no, I seen somebody no <laughs> no. <laughs> I, that's from the movie. This, they just all scream no when Aqua Baby's kidnapped. But the, the dialogue felt cheesy at a lot of points. I wrote down some corny lines that I'll that I can read off here. Um, I, I, oh. <laughs> it's a lot of ragging on the movie. I feel like it was fun, but I've seen people compare like this the scene with the Job of the Hut monster um, to like the Cantina scene in Moss Eisley in Star Wars, and it just didn't feel like it had as much charm or personality. It didn't feel like it had the same like love and care. The the magical world reminded me of like Journey to the Center of the Earth, but it didn't feel as like fantastical. I didn't feel the connection to the desert world. I didn't feel the connection to like the 
dark city Necris. Like it just all felt like a CGI fest. It didn't feel like, which I know is a term a lot of people use, like, and I kind of use it begrudgingly because I feel like it's seen as pretentious to say that, but it just felt like a big fantastical like use of colors. It didn't feel like this world that I could like delve into and really fall in love with, like some of the other worlds I mentioned. Um, so I feel like it kind of lacks substance in some of those areas as well as lacking substance in some of the lines in the script. So here's some of the lines I didn't like. Um, when he says, dad, you're the real hero. Um, felt super forced, felt like cliche and cheesy. And then it follows up with sometimes not giving up is the most heroic thing you can do. Um, and um, it felt like I was watching like a PBS special. Um, and then in Randall Park's log, which we talked about how the movie can be annoyingly expositional when we talked last night after the movie, he says, um, we're about to hit the most dangerous one of them all. We've hit the other um, Orcalcum uh -huh. factories, which Orcalcum is a big thing in this movie that I should explain to. It's like this thing that's metaphorical for petroleum or gas in the real world. It's just like, it's this it, they're fantastical material. Pieces, and I know a lot of movies and stories take inspiration from everywhere. There's a lot of like big pieces taken from a bunch of movies and it's all just compiled together. Like you said, Journey of the Center of the Earth. I even leaned over to Zach during it and I was like, this is like, that movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that which Aaron hadn't said to me yet. So we both yeah. saw that comparison. Yeah. Uh, and and then that that chemical power battery or whatever that we were just talking about. Or that's Calcum. that's just like Avatar, the way of water. Which is also it's in water. Just, cheesiest unobtainium. But actually, or calcum, one interesting thing about it is it's like historically written about as this like imaginary material. Like um Plato wrote about it, I think, in ancient Greece, mm. about it being second only to gold. So it's like it's tied with Atlantis and mytho mythological lore. So I thought it was just some stupid name, but like they took the name from something real. And then it's also obviously in the, like the reference in the Aquaman comics from there, from the lore. Yeah. So that's cool. But also the, the end guy who's in the ice reminded me a lot of Transformers Revenge of the Fallen where they're trying to get the, the evil guy out. But I feel like even though that's probably like not the best Transformers movie, and by probably, I mean definitely, definitely I feel like their pacing was a lot better. You know, like you could at least connect with the characters more. The fights were actually drawn out and and thought about, and the CGI looked phenomenal. I can still. agree that the fights were better, and the CGI looks good. Yeah, like and, the there was still like a good payoff in Revenge of the Fallen, uh, in comparison. But listen to these other lines. Uh, so Jason Momoa, when they're going through the forest, says, "You never had a slice of za, medium raw steak." I'm like, medium rot. What are you guys writing? Like, is this is this off the cuff? Like, is this written down on paper? Um, and, and then right after that, Patrick Wilson's character Orm says, I bet it mutated from flora and fauna in a short amount of time, which feels like a sci-fi movie written by like Disney Channel original series. Like, <laughs> I bet it mutated from the flora and fauna in a short amount of time. Why? What are you <laughs> guessing at the time frame for? Like, what do you? Um, yeah, whatever. And then. Um, and then the, the, the guy who's attacking the ships, I'm going to keep going on. The guy who's attacking the ship says, he says, take, that, take the island down. And they fire a bunch of rockets at the island where Black Manta has his base. And then immediately after that, he says, fire at will. So this guy's just sitting in his ship going, shoot. It's like, it's like um, Adam Driver in The Last Jedi. More! More! <laughs> it's like, why is he just repeating the same line? Um, I guess maybe they needed to fill space there or do some cuts or something to cut to another scene. Um, and then the last one is we already referenced is they say, where's Junior? No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the word. That's got to be one of the words. Three different people shout no 
And they all wait for the other one to finish saying no. Did you mention the one where Aquaman comes in and he's like, stay away from my son. That's really bad too. <laughs> There's like three instances of that because Queen Mera does the same thing. Or uh, Aquaman does it earlier where he's like, get your hands off my wife. Yeah. Keep my wife's name. Uh, that's, that's, that's what I thought of when he yelled at Black Manta for attacking his wife. Um, but with, with all that said, I, I give the, the plot a five. Zach, do you want to explain your six? Yeah, I thought that... Um, this is the biggest thing for the movie, though. To be fair, we're spending a lot of time on plot, but this yeah. is yeah. the bulk of a movie. To me... That's why it's our first category. Yeah. yeah. At the end of the movie, there's a scene where uh, Ocean Master and Aquaman are talking, and Ocean Master says something along the lines of, like, you know, you're not as bad at, at this being a king stuff as you think you are. Like, you're willing to ask for help when you need help, and you're willing to do what's wrong when doing what's... Uh, or you're willing to do what's right when doing what's wrong is way easier. And um, I thought, to ask for help even from your worst enemy. That was, yeah. That was a, a cool line. And, like, that that little, like, conversation exchange between those two characters, I think, kind of... Um, kind of was a short summary of what the movie was. Uh, and, I don't know, I thought it worked really well. Like, the journey that Aquaman was on... Um, from basically being a, a reluctant king to like ultimately putting, you know, not just his kingdom first, but the whole world first. But I feel like he was still a reluctant king at the end. And putting the whole world first was what he came into the first movie doing. So that's like the same static character that we had in the first movie. Like he, he only ascended to the throne of Atlantis as like to protect a duty him. to like protect the earth and Atlantis from each other. Yeah. But and Atlantis still isn't happy that he's sharing all their technology. It's, it's like he's a good character for that, like, but it's not good character development. It's not like a change from the beginning. It's the movie is just like I think, like you know, especially with like these superhero movies, um, not necessarily that like character development is unnecessary, but I want the superheroes to be the superheroes, and like I think Aquaman does that throughout the the two movies. Um, but the point of this movie was, like, just specifically it was him fighting Black Manta. Like, it wasn't, like, I know that he unveiled uh, Atlantis to the world and they followed this, like, very much mirroring Black Panther 1 storyline. Mm -hmm. But, like, it, there was no journey to get there. It was They were in the same place as the beginning, only he just decided to do it anyway. Like, the council still is has no reason to have changed their opinion. So there was no, like, journey to get there. It was just, like... Here's the end of the movie. Yeah. He's gonna, he's he's gonna do this now. Like, I wonder what they had originally planned. You know, before the whole DCU was like ending. Yeah, because they, it was still going on when this movie was starting. Ben to Affleck be made. shot scenes for this movie. Yeah, I heard of so, two different Batman cameos yeah. that got pulled. It is a shame that, like, I mean, I personally make very excited for the next you know iteration of the DCU, but it is kind of a shame that. The, you know, the last scene of this movie is the last scene of the DCEU, and it's, it, you know, it's Orm eating a cockroach. Oh, cockroach, yeah. yeah. It's like... It's this, a perfect metaphor for the DCEU. Yeah, this is how it's going to end, you know? <laughs> we're tired of eating crap, yeah. so we're moving on. It's just, it's like, right, it's like the right. DCEU. It's like you got a burger, that's the trailer, and then you go to bite into it, and there's a roach inside of it. <laughs> Who put this roach in my burger? So and you smile anyway because <laughs> you like the character so much just like he did yeah um i don't know i liked i liked the characterization too like the plot of ocean master 
like, you know, um, getting to be heroic rather than like villainous, like how he was in the first one. I think he was t- the best part about the movie for me, like coming to the end where he like fights the urge to be controlled by evil mm-hmm. and joins his brother. He calls him brother at the end, right? Yeah. After mm-hmm. saying like, never call me that. And he like gives him like some a pat on the back, which he's never really gotten from anybody from Atlantis, maybe mm. besides Mira and Volko, like, and like his mom, never from somebody who like was on the opposing side of him, yeah. who like disagreed with him. And he finally got acknowledged by his brother and like he got to be set free. So it was a cool character arc, but also at the same time, and, and this is just like for fun and nitpick, but I feel like we're kind of forgetting the amount of people he must have killed with those tidal waves. On the surface, <laughs> he like the, the tidal wave almost killed Aquaman and his dad. That's like two random people. Imagine that the rest of the garbage he served searched around the earth on beaches, people like laying out in the sun tanning. Imagine the people that he murdered, and now he's like going free off of like. Well, but he but he was a nice guy. I think, yeah, I think yeah. in this movie, <laughs> what maybe I misheard, but I'm pretty sure there's a line where Aquaman calls Ocean Master Loki. Yes, and, yeah, yeah, and also like it felt like you misheard it though because it felt really yeah. like. It's like, did he just Minute. say Loki? Yeah, it's kind of like what you're just saying. Like, Loki was, you know, he killed a lot of people in the early stages of the MCU, but now he's some some people's favorite hero. Um, it was over the cross of a bunch of storylines and movies and stuff, though. Yeah, no, but I'm saying it's like, movie. yeah, you know, you have, but at the same time, though, if you look at Loki, yeah, he still killed all those people, you know, so. Yeah, I feel like the, uh, I feel like the perception they try to draw in both instances is like you didn't see any people die in the Battle of New York, not not humans. You didn't you didn't see any people die in the tidal waves of right. uh, of Aquaman one. Like it's a, you didn't see it. I think like, they yeah. do too much of trying to make every character uh, like redeemable, either a hero or an antihero, instead of like here's a villain. Well, that's why, that's why I think Black Manta and or, and Orm were my two favorite characters in this movie because, yes, Orm is redeemed and has a, a cool arc, and they do that a lot of times. But um, Black Manta's not really redeemable. and But he also has relatable motives. Like, he his Aquaman left his father to die, which I feel like is a more complicated situation than it gets credit for because I don't know if you guys remember, but he's like, don't, don't leave him here. I need your help. And Aquaman's like, you guys attack innocent people. Ask, ask the sea for mercy. Mm-hmm. And he leaves. But he leaves and goes and saves this other crew member that he left behind when he got attacked by David Kane and his dad. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, he could try and help save David Kane's dad, the pirates who caused this, or he could go and save the innocent crew member who was like close to drowning, you know. And so like I I don't think it's as simple like he didn't just leave his dad to die out of for no reason. There's a scene in this movie too that I think um parallels that scene that you're talking about. Uh, and I'm sure they did it on purpose, but towards the end of the movie, Black Manta is like falling down a hole. Instead of Aquaman just saying like, "That's the sea for, for mercy," he reaches out to save him um, when he could have just like let him die. And then you know, Black Manta says never and, and yeah. like kills himself. But like Aquaman, that shows like there's character development. Like he, to some degree, cared what happened to the guy who almost killed his dad. Kidnapped, kidnapped his, son. his son, was, you know, inches away from killing his son. I would say that is a good point. That he, is he was just going to pull him up to kill him personally. <laughs> he was going <laughs> to. It may be. No, but no, I think that I think that's a real. For my dad. I think that's honestly. For my son. 
That's honestly a really good point about there being actual character development in this movie that I didn't think about because not only did he leave his dad, but when Randall Park's character, like Dr. Shin, first reveals himself, he's like, knock him out and help me hide these bodies. Like, he was going to just leave that guy behind, and that guy is way less villainous. And now he's seen his brother, like his worst enemy, turn and become an ally. I think now he's kind of, the character development there is like, oh, he realizes like people can change and that spark of good is worth saving. Mm -hmm. So he's going to save the guy who kidnapped his son. And he was going to leave Dr. Shin to to rot in that orichalcum factory. So uh, it's kind of, that's kind of a big change in his character of like caring about individual people. Yeah. You know? He is more ca also caring about his enemies rather than just caring about protecting the surface. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the plot, I mean, I, I didn't think it was like really like bad. So that's why I gave it a six because it wasn't like, outstanding like oh my gosh this story is like the you know groundbreaking the best story ever or whatever but it was you know in my opinion cohesive enough and made enough sense and you know worked enough for me to to say six instead of lower well like i said the environmental aspects worked really well for me too yeah the, i liked how the because aquaman lives in the sea and you know historically, historically the pollute the oceans so. i think it's cool too <laughs> This, so there is uh, a lot of like exposition in this movie, but there's one scene that was like not super expository. expository, but they they say a line of like, there's plagues that are breaking out in the kingdoms of Atlantis, and they say it's because of like algae blooms and rising temperatures, and they list a few things, and I was like, that's pretty cool how they're taking like. People died, Zach. They're, Think it's no, cool? No, well, it's cool how they. Volko uh, died, dude. Yeah, off screen. All right, yeah. people. I was gonna say, we did we even talk about that yeah, yet? We just do Willem Dafoe. Yeah, but they like they kind of relate how like okay, the surface world is having all these issues of like all these crazy storms. I think they said like thunder snow or something like that, and then <laughs> and then also also Atlantis is experiencing all these complications yeah. from the acts that black manta's doing uh, it's affecting both the surface world and the uh you know yeah. kingdoms, we, kingdoms of atlantis we do have natural an increase in natural disasters i mean more wildfires than ever higher global temperatures on average more like because of ice cap shifting and climate change like they're very real problems so it's cool to see this movie touch on it especially for a character who is like heart and soul is the sea and like that's where the people of Atlantis come from so I think it's cool that they leaned into that message mm -hmm. I feel like it's a message that everybody should be willing to get behind because we all share the same earth maybe we don't all agree about going about it in the same way or as drastically but I feel like we can all agree that like we should not destroy the planet that we live on yeah so. <laughs> makes sense to me <laughs> I also don't think it was that much in your face either because I saw a review on TikTok like oh like they're really pushing this agenda blah blah it's like yeah I don't know. It just yeah. felt like a natural, like like what Zach was saying. Like, you know, that's part of the story. Yeah. I mean, orichalcum is a stand-in for gas. And then I've seen people compare the volcano on uh, Necris, the shooting that giant plume of green smoke to like our pollution, of humans pollution of the environment, surface dwellers with our smokestacks and things like it, that. It's But it's the metaphor, I think, is pretty clean. I mean, yeah. it's... It's not, also the only sensible way to make the surface world and uh the kingdoms of atlantis be at odds because we're yeah if, if, the depths of the ocean how are we going to interact with yeah them? like okay if we're not polluting if the earth's not being polluted and they're not blaming the surface world what's the right. problem you know they're not going to really have reasons yeah. to be at odds they're not doing plot gymnastics either it's just like what 
we right. really do. I mean, and we're like humans are to some degree trying to reverse it. You know, mm -hmm. we're working at it, but we still, if something, if there was a civilization living underwater, they'd probably hate us. <laughs> right. It makes total sense, I think. All right, let's move on to our yeah. next category, next category. Right? and that is acting. This is also out of 10 points. Zach, how about you go first for this one? For me, I think that um, my score lost a lot of points in this category because, mm. like... Was it based off Storm's performance? No. Um, mine's mostly based off Jason Momoa's performance. Like, I like Jason Momoa. I think he's, like, awesome as a dude, like... He does what he likes to do, and he does all this cool adventurous stuff. But I said this to you guys last night. I feel like, especially in this one, it, it's present in every appearance as Jason Momoa's Aquaman. But I feel like it's really present in this one, where it's like, that's actor Jason Momoa, and he put on an Aquaman suit. <laughs> like, he doesn't really like. He's not embodying the character yeah, of Aquaman, mind. right? He's like. Yeah. There's there's like a montage in the beginning where he's like smashing beers and riding a motorcycle and like to me it's just like they're like let's just film Jason Momoa being Jason Momoa. <laughs> he didn't yeah. know the camera crew was there. And yeah, I said last night that that was clips. <laughs> that looks like clips from like his YouTube page. Or yeah. Something. So like to add on to your point though, the Guinness is actually Jason Momoa's favorite beer, mm -hmm. and he has a line of Guinness like his, that he yeah, he's like the yeah so, oh does he? I didn't yeah, know so that. that's so that's like it's an ad that's definitely yeah. just jason momoa right and he likes to ride motorcycles and it's like yeah so like yeah i mean i like i like it because i like jason momoa um but i feel like he's not doing a whole lot of acting you know mm -hmm. and then the scenes where he it's like adam sandler or like yeah. his characters are adam sandler the scenes where he like needs to be part. acting uh, I, don't, I didn't like really work that well like at no point in the movie did i really feel like that baby was jason was was aquaman's like or jason momoa's child like get away from my son yeah you know there was like i don't know it just didn't really like he didn't sell that i guess that well um the stuff with it, it like kind of just felt like a joke him having a kid yeah because every time he was interacting with the baby it was supposed to be funny. The baby the, peeing on the it. The only scene yeah. I got close was when the baby first talks to the fish. Because, like, I feel like in that scene, you know, maybe he didn't, like, deliver it all that well or whatever. But I could pick up on the fact that, like, he was excited that his son had the same power as him. And he, like, they had that, like, little tender moment. Yeah, to not feel alone in the world. Yeah, yeah. So, but overall, I didn't think the acting was all that well. I feel like Dolph Lundgren's character is, like... They're just he's just Dolph Lundgren too. That's the, like that's the worst part of the movie for me. I, I've maybe not the worst. That's exaggerating, but I I cringe every time he talks. As, as I just don't like the way his voice sounds and the delivery of the lines for this character for Dolph Lundgren. Yeah, and then like Amber Heard too was like really a whole lot of nothing. Um, she was in it more than I thought she I, was going to be, and I agree. But like there wasn't a whole lot of substance to the thing she yeah. was in. There was either. Like she's probably on purpose. Say, yeah, but, she's just like yelling a lot. In the first movie, she was a lot more involved. Um, I thought the love plot in the first movie was kind of cheesy, but she definitely that was more of a character. I feel like you can kind of see in the beginning how she was supposed to be more of a character in this movie too. Mm -hmm. And then Black Manta came and like injured her or whatever, and I thought that was going to be the last we saw her. Oh, I thought she was, I was dead. like, oh, she's injured. Yeah. She's out for the rest of the movie. I was surprised to see her come back. We brought her off the bench. 
Yeah. Some, some and then he's like, what score did you give it? I gave it a four out of ten. Because there is some like good acting. Like I think that um I want to say Patrick Stewart, but that's not Patrick it. Wilson. Patrick Wilson. Um like I thought most of his acting was pretty solid. Well him I thought him and Black Manta were really strong. Yeah, and I agree with Black Manta too. And I also liked um Randall Park's character. Like you know, there were his acting wasn't like bad. It was just like he's playing this like um scientist who got in over his head and i think he portrays that really well like you can tell he's scared they gave that scientist a lot of responsibility yeah he was leading the strongest gun on the ship yeah i was looking for like the writing to differentiate the characters like in terms of them having like their own personalities and his like felt really damp his personality was like he says astounding Mm -hmm. because he's a scientist and he Mm -hmm. he's excited by like new things it's not like it, I, I didn't feel anything special to the writing. I thought kind of felt fine. like Aquaman. Just he didn't have powers. <laughs> I, I feel like they, they were like, "This is Jimmy Woo. People like him. Yeah, let's give him a bigger role." Yeah, in this movie. I think, um, like, man, I forget what I was going to say. But I think that maybe they gave. That's what I was going to say. Maybe they gave him that astounding line a couple too many times. But I think it's like it's cool because you know, he, like basically. The story of this guy is he's worked his whole life to see Atlantis and to prove Atlantis is real. And and now he's seeing it. First of all, he's seeing the main gate of the city. He's speaking with Atlanteans and, like, physically interacting with the Atlanteans. And so, like, that is astounding to him, you know? So Well, I, I like the fact that he had, like, a thing. Like, he's, like, his thing is that he's, like, in awe. And that's how he expresses it. I like that. I just feel like that was the depth of his character and it like they didn't do anything else with him like it would have been cool to see him more like curious about atlanteans like you see like these other movies and shows like maybe there he's like trying to see like oh where are your gills like inspecting them like but he just comes into the room and he's like oh, i want to surrender like i i'm in, I'm in oh. over my head like he wasn't yeah there was no they didn't like double down on I, the, and i agree obviously he's he's like a uh background character so he doesn't have all this like in-depth character development and stuff so i think that it makes a lot of sense because like in the first one really brief scene but he's on tv talking about like how atlantis is real and stuff like that so you can infer that he's done like he knows a lot about atlantis he's researched all the stories and stuff like that and so you know he he knows about atlantis but now he's finally getting to like um solidify his beliefs you know he's getting to actually see that it's that it is real and and all the research he's done is true and stuff so i i agree with you i just think it was kind of half-hearted like there was no real excitement it was just him muttering astounding it was kind of muted for me but i i give the the acting a six out of ten i thought i mean and maybe like looking back that might even be a little bit high but i mean i thought it was like the acting wasn't what made me dislike the movie um i feel like it was other aspects of the movie and i thought patrick wilson and um, the actor whose name I have trouble pronouncing, who plays Black Manta, I thought the two of them did a f- phenomenal job kind of carrying the acting of this movie. They have Nicole Kidman in this movie, which is crazy. Um, I, I thought everyone, like, the acting was fine. Some of the line delivery was really poor. That's why I brought it down to a six, yeah. um, like, some of the lines. But some of the writing for the lines is bad, and it's hard to salvage salvage it. But I, I don't know. Jason Momoa just being himself. The acting wasn't anything phenomenal, but the acting didn't like super take me out of the movie. Other things did. Kind of feels like that's what a lot of these superhero movies are turning into, is just 
turning into the main character's real life personality. And like, it, I think it can work because like Ryan Reynolds and Deadpool are like, mm -hmm. you know, they, you have to have a perfect, you have to have a perfect casting for it. Right. I mean, right. Chris Evans is not like Captain America. No. <laughs> like he's, he, I mean, but it, he is. I one thing I, you know, I love Chris Evans and and I love Captain America. So, like, I think that. I saw an interview He's, where either he was talking about it or somebody was talking about him and they were like, you know, he takes the responsibility of like being Captain America to so many people seriously. Mm -hmm. And like, so he tries to live up to that. Obviously he's just, you know, an actor, but he tries to carry himself with a certain like level yeah, of that. He's from what I get from a lot of like the cast interviews is he's kind of like a party guy. And not and not as like an insult. He's just like a life of the party kind of guy. Yeah. Like they they talk about like who's the most likely to like to bring everyone out like to get drinks or like something like. And then everyone agrees like oh that's that's Chris that's Chris Evans like more like Johnny Storm yeah. than yeah. Captain America. He's like a fun guy. He's a good hearted guy. It seems like um, and like he has like I see a lot of his um, like outreach stuff. Mm -hmm. He he seems like a good person, but he just doesn't seem like he's like the stoic, reserved right. person that Captain. And that's what acting is like. Yeah. Mm -hmm. it's like a lot of these people are playing themselves. What what did you give the score on acting? I'm uh, kind of in between you guys. I give it a five point five out of ten. Directly? No, not directly in between. You give it a four. So low. yeah, <laughs> it went low. I, I gave it. I originally had a five, and I bumped it up just that half point. You know because. They, they did a good job, you know, like, because acting's hard, you know, whether you are just playing a character, that's kind of like your personality and stuff. Like, they didn't just, like, it wasn't unbearable. This has got to be one of the hardest movies to act in because they're acting, pretending to be underwater, pretending to interact with CGI things that aren't there, you know, pretending to ride a giant seahorse, like, all this stuff that makes it a lot harder. Yeah, like, I, I try to relate it to, like, could anyone have done this? And it's like... No, like I could we just pull in one of our random friends and throw him in, have him be as good as Jason Momoa did in Aquaman? Probably not. Could you give this script to like a talent, a super like upper echelon talented actor and like they suddenly changes the movie? I don't necessarily I don't think possibly could. No, I think probably, probably not, not though. because I feel like I feel like the movie is written to yeah. be about Jason Momoa. Jason Momoa's like personality. Yeah. You know, like they He's like a lighthearted guy. I really, you know? I really do wonder how much of the movie, while they were filming, was actually written. Well, Jason Momoa has a story credit, which is unusual. You know? Yeah, like I feel like because of all the reshoots, a lot of it was kind of happening on the fly. And even if it was written, it was probably written like a few days beforehand, not like a year ahead of time. You know, to where everything can be ironed out. At least that's what it felt like. I don't. I don't know how it actually. Ironically, they have a lot. They had a lot of freedom coming to the end of the DCU. Like they aren't beholden to anything. Mm -hmm. So it, it just didn't feel like they it were. Felt like a very it. soft ending, right? Yeah. It felt yeah. to it, a universe. Because nice by the time the reshoots happened, they knew it was going to be the last, the last movie, right? Yeah. Yeah. So they've known that for like quite a while. Well, in Aquaman comics, like his dad is dead. Aqua Baby gets killed. Like. Mm -hmm. They uh, we'll we'll get into that, but like, they I'm I'm glad they went with a happy ending for the end yeah, of the DCU. It didn't murder all these people, mm -hmm. um, so that's like a positive. But let's want to go want to go on to cinematography. Yeah, so cinematography is my favorite category that we talk about 
and this one includes a lot of stuff composition camera movement we also put in uh cgi special effects and whatnot into this category uh, and editing is another big part that's in this category so there's a lot of moving pieces that go into this and i gave it a 5.5 out of 10 i feel like it was just very cluttered the shots were very hard to follow what was happening just because there's so much happening i thought the cgi was fine i didn't think it was bad i feel like if they had more time it could have been better but it's just really hard because what probably 80 percent of the movie is underwater you know so like that means most of your shot is CGI. So that's that's really hard to handle. I honestly feel like they angled this movie to be a lot more out of the water in a lot of instances. Like, I feel like they did, I mean, did it on purpose, but still a high percentage of it in water. Like, did you notice, like, you go the desert scene, you go, like, the, the jungle scene, you go mm -hmm. the in the ship sequences, and then you've got, like, the climax of the movie, they go underwater just to come back out of water. To, in like the spot in Necris where they're above on land again, like it's yeah. a lot of it on land, more than I expected. I guess that's I guess that's true. It's it's just everything was made up, you know, and, yeah. and most of it was done so with the computer, and it it's just hard to connect with that, you know, like it like some of the villains and stuff kind of reminded me, probably because it's on the water of like Pirates of the Caribbean. But, like, you can't even compare the two in terms of quality, you know, or really story. It, it just seemed like so much more went into all the Pirates movies, even the Pirates movies that you don't even think of because they're not as good or they came out later, you know, and the hype kind of died down maybe a little bit. Like, that, it's still very cinematic, very thought out. You know, they, they took their time with a lot of it, it feels like. But for this, it just... It kind of just felt like a puzzle piece put together at the last minute. And I think they did a good job for, I think the people working on it did a good job for <laughs> what circumstance they were in, you know? So what'd you guys give it? Oh, I gave it a, a six out of 10. Um, I thought second, a lot of things that you said, I just feel like I saw, I watched Saltburn recently and I feel like the composition in that movie of many shots was just like really like, a framework on how to to fill a screen and how to direct yeah. the eye and i thought it was really beautifully done just comparatively i feel like this is just a little bit messy in terms of what filled the screen oftentimes when maybe like the story isn't as high as you want it to be like i feel like the cinematography can really make up for keeping you interested in the movie you know like even if the story isn't captivating you you're just sitting there like wow this is just visually stunning you know and I can't really, I can think of maybe like two, maybe three shots in all of Aquaman that was like, oh, that was like really cool. And it's mainly when Black Manta's in the dark and then his lights glow up mm -hmm. or his eyes glow up. Those, and it's that, like, those scenes do look sick. That's, that's cool because his suit's kind of cool. Not necessarily like a interesting or creative cinematic shot. The first movie, while I don't love it, has some really incredible, beautiful, ultra Like the first shots. fight scene. Well, that, that, that was that's really, really dope. They, they film action a lot better in the first movie, too. But I'm just talking about, like, ultra-wide landscape shots of, like, the ocean. And we're just giving perspective to, like, 
the massive size of the ocean and making them feel small in scale. Like our mm -hmm. characters are in this little ship and they have this huge wide with like glowing reefs in the background or like them sinking beneath the depths and the trench and the hordes of zombies around them just making things feel small. There's huge cool scope shots that are really beautifully lit with colors and stuff in the first movie that I feel like this movie felt didn't have the same like organization to and, it. And you can have a lot of stuff on screen, but have it where it's like set up to where it draws your eye to the center of focus, you know, of whatever that is, whether it's character or location or whatnot. Like there's ways to direct the viewer's eye. But in a lot of times during this movie, I'm like, where do I look? You know, like what's going on? There's so much happening. And another big thing, you know, I don't like slow motion when it's not necessary. Um, they had a few slow motion parts in this movie that were cool, but then they also had some slow motion shots that weren't even in a higher frame rate. Yeah. You know, like they're in like the standard 24 frames and they've slowed it down. So it's all choppy. It looks like the slow motion of like the Scorpion King trailer. Yeah. It's like from like 2000. Why just don't put it in slow motion? Like it didn't even, it didn't need to be in slow motion. Like when um, the brother was going to save the guy from falling and he pops around the corner in slow motion, like, that didn't need to be in slow motion. It wasn't shot in slow motion. Like, just edit it how it was supposed to be. You know, it didn't. It didn't even be like that. And I feel like that takes some points off. For they had a slow mo quota. They had to hit. Yeah. <laughs> Snyder called them. Yeah. Zach, what did what did you rate it? And do you want to after while he's talking? Do you want to pull up the shots you want to see so we can yeah sure this for cinematography? I rated cinematography eight out of ten. And you guys are, yeah, you guys have a lot more technical understanding. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Eight? Yeah. Wow. You guys have a lot more technical understanding of. <laughs> you know, this category is out of 10, not 20, right? <laughs> yeah. Dang. Eight, All right. It's high. I'm no Do explain. I thought, I thought that visually, and I agree with the slow mo stuff. There was some slow mo that looked pretty bad. There was also some CGI that looked pretty bad. Um, but overall, like, um, I thought it looked really cool. Like, there's a scene where. In the beginning, they're all diving down in the uh, like the ice and stuff, and I thought that looked really cool how looked, they shot that. Their lights look cool, right? Their yeah. lights had this cool like star-like effect that reminded me of like the thing, like the original the thing, the horror movie. I thought that that looks pretty cool to me. I agree. Yeah, um, I also think that Atlantis looks like magnificent in this. I know you and I disagree, and you think that um, Talokan looks better, but Talokan. I think it doesn't. I think definitely Atlantis looks better. Um, I don't know. I mean, Atlantis I also fun. don't really know much about like aspect ratios and and all that. And I'm colorblind too. So like, <laughs> if like to me, it looks fine. It looks cool. Whereas the their use of insane vibrant use of neon colors might be overstimulating to us. Zach is like just colorblind. <laughs> it, <laughs> he sees the colors normally he's <laughs> because they're so saturated. So to me, like I don't know. I, I just thought the cinematography was good. Um, maybe a little, maybe a little jumpy. Like uh, as far as like the cuts, this scene, then this scene, then this scene. But um, I don't know. I liked it. So, yeah, 8, eight yeah. out of 10. <laughs> I, I feel like part of cinematography, too, goes into, like, the 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 characters going, no, cut, no, cut, no. You know, <laughs> like, you didn't have to do that. No. But here, let's take a look. This is from the first Aquaman um, since the second one isn't out yet. Um, oh, hold on. There we go. It feels like Blade Runner with the lighting if Blade Runner wasn't so, like, 
quality stylistic. Yeah, so like here, like that shot right there, it's it kind of directs your eye, but there's also a lot happening. Like, what detail are you seeing there? There's so In my opinion, it's a bridge underwater. It's not. Bridge is a remnant of the old world. I don't know. To me, what it reminds me of is Star Wars when they have. Even if they manage to evade the guards, yeah, hydro cannons. Can't think of the name of the city. Where the Jedi Temple? Oh crap! This is. This is embarrassing. <laughs> uh, I remember it as a map in Star Wars Battlefront 2. Yeah, so there's there's like those basically roadways, you know. That yeah. that is just the, that is just the main highway going into the city. Mm -hmm. So like they they're showing that if this is like the biggest city. There's a lot of traffic. Yeah. yeah. That's this, what this is. That's all this. This is. looks a lot better than a lot of the scenes that we Jedi, saw. Jedi City. But this, this scene here that we're watching now, I think looks a lot better than anything in the second film. Uh, like it, that scene in particular isn't nearly as cluttered. I this is the end fight scene. Yeah, that's that. One interesting thing too about the scene you just showed is that it's shot IMAX, and they cut, they change aspect ratios in the first movie. I was watching. It like, look at this. Like, too much. What, what is yeah, going on? It's blurry, chaotic. They also do this shot twice in the first movie and again in the second movie. So they've done the same shot three times with the trident coming in on his eyes. I just had the uh, volume of this blasting on the recording. So I don't know if they heard us while this oh, was sorry, going man. on. I was just saying that. They, I turned that off. They did that shot. My bad. Twice in this first movie and once in the second movie. So we've seen it. Like, what's going on here? There's, there's so much happening. Uh that's There's a lot going planet, on, though, isn't it? No, I think that's the name of the city. Or maybe oh. it's the planet. Um, yeah, it's... Just, oh, my God. There's just so much. It's, yeah... It's all... But, I mean, it's chaotic. I mean... This is this is the same as a Star Wars fight scene. Like, uh... uh no, it's not. I don't know, man. There's... It's how many fish right there in that swarm? So many. How many How many ships would be flying? Like, five? Is, it's because it's In underwater. Star Wars? There's, so there's a lot of animals. I'm not a fan of the way the ending. I think this looks sick. I hate the climax in Aquaman one. I didn't. I'm not a fan of the way this looks visually. I disagree. I think it looks awesome. But I think that um, it's interesting watching the first movie because you'll see the aspect ratio shifts between the scenes that are shot in IMAX and not because IMAX scenes are full screen. And they filmed the rest of the movie in like a widescreen ratio. Um, but I, I didn't necessarily Look, notice that. You know what? This movie. You know what you could compare it to uh, the opening scene of episode three with Obi Wan and Anakin. Yeah, but that's okay. Yeah, that's a good scene. Because well, there's a lot going on. It's a big giant battle. But I think it's done way better than what we just watched. Let's see if Aaron's memory holds up. I know. I mean, maybe it is. Maybe it is better when you compare the two scenes. But essentially. It's kind of the same ideas. Like, there's this giant battle going on. There's all these different little soldiers. Like, I don't know. Yeah, to but, me, this, but to me, it, look it's how much cleaner this is. Already. But it's all about execution. You know, you can say like it's the same idea, but so yeah, look like look at this. It's just we're following two ships, following them very easily, right? Like, there's some ships in the background. Yeah, bam. 
Look, yeah, but it, we're oh. still we're still in focused on those two ships, and it's very clear that that's who we're following. Who were we following in those other shots? Just I'm random bits of squids. And no, stuff. Aquaman wasn't in those shots. No, he was. He was in cutaways of he, it. He wasn't in those shots. It was like this hordes of. It was him sending the animals to attack. And look, now we're back close to the two people that we should care about in this fight. You know, like the, yeah, there's a lot happening. The distance from them changes, yeah, but we ships, are, like I know, but. It's all in focus. It's like, okay, that that ship blew up. They sent that rocket. Okay, now we're back and focused on uh, our main characters. We're zooming in for some dialogue. But then if we go back, let me uh, switch over here, back to what we were just watching. It, We weren't like just following Aquaman. I have to... No, I, I, I agree with Aaron. Like, that was right, we, we were on like part a here. continuous journey with those two ships in the opening of Revenge of the Sith. I hear you, but and and not I mean maybe we're getting right. up on the uh, you gotta so, follow one character around, but no, it, you don't have to follow one character. It's just like what am I supposed to look at here? So we have this giant fish. He's gone. We have this shot. Aquaman. They're gone. There's Aquaman. Okay, we're still with Aquaman. Cool. I think it's cool because it's showing you different parts of the battle. But now Aquaman's gone, and now we're not with Aquaman anymore. Where was she in reference to Aquaman? We don't know. Right next to him, look. (laughs) I think it's cool. It's showing you all these different parts of the battle. And now they're they're about to, like, make out in the middle of this battlefield, which is crazy. Oh, do they kiss right here? Yeah. (laughs) Close your eyes, kids. I I think the underwater... Uh, stuff and and the first one is better as far as like them talking to each other underwater and how their hair looks and stuff. It's but like the so right if, Damn, if right we've got there. if we've got Aquaman in the foreground, what's in the background? A gigantic school of fish. That's basically a wall. You know, it's just like but like look how little we're actually focusing on Aquaman in the fight with Anakin and Obi Wan. We're following them most of the time. Like the majority of a background is not a background, but a mess. It's the ocean. Like I don't know. Well, teach their own, but I like this works for me. I think it's. Cool. But saying it's the ocean doesn't make it look good. Yeah, because they're in space in Star Wars. Yeah, that but doesn't automatically is, make it look. Space good. is clear though. The background underwater is murky. The background. This of- is uh, Black Panther: Wakanda Forever. Their underwater scenes. It's only as murky as they want to make it be. You can see earlier scenes in the movie where the background's like beautiful, glowing reefs with purples and greens and blues and like vibrant colors. They chose to have that fight in like the empty part of the ocean because it was easier to have the background be colorless, bland, dark schools of fish. And I know this isn't a fight, but this uh, to me all feels real. You know? Well, it well, and and maybe too, maybe that's where we disagree is because I completely agree that this feels like real, and this the Aquaman like, stuff feels more fantastical. Like this is this feels like on like an it's on an Earth that I I live on. It's on yeah, here and this agree. planet in this world. But these people look like they are actors that are being filmed swimming. Whereas in Aquaman, it looks like these are people that live underwater. And they just, I feel like they move more um, smooth in the water. Like these people are just like, just straight up swimming. I feel like these are actors swimming, like you said. But then I feel like Aquaman is CGI characters being thrown through the water. Dragged through the water by a scroll. Yeah. The, uh, they don't always, it looks, 
I think it looks good in both. I think this looks better. But just look at the – like what bothers me from Aquaman is when you look in the background of Talo Khan, they're using like all of these seaweeds and like different seaweeds and plant life, flora and fauna, as my friend Orm would say. <laughs> and it's moving in the water to give life to the background. It's not just like a horde of fish that's like, whoa. Yeah. It's like – And like I said earlier, I think the CGI is fine in Aquaman. It's just there's a lot. There is. It's a lot going on. I just rewatched this movie and I actually like Talokan better than I did the first time around. But I think I still think that for for selling me an underwater city that's fantastical is uh Aquaman does it way better. Can you look up the diving into the trench scene? Aquaman yeah. in the trench. Yeah. Okay. That scene is really cool. Cause I think this um like overshadows anything that they did in The Lost Kingdom. I think uh, Aquaman 1 is better than the one we just watched last night, too. Oh, sure. That one right there, the top one, I think, should be. You also think Aquaman 1 is better? Where do you, while, we're, while we're waiting for this video to load, what do you guys think is better, Aquaman 2 or The Flash? Aquaman 2. Aquaman 2. Aquaman 2. I think it's by a slimmer margin than Zack thinks it is. Aquaman's, Aquaman 2 is also better than um, Shazam, Shazam Fear of the Gods. I haven't seen that one. I guess I would agree with that also. Shazam 2 is bad. I would probably say Blue Beetle was... The best DC movie this year. Yeah. I I feel like I could flip a coin maybe for Blue Beetle and Aquaman 2. That's crazy but, to me. Blue Beetle, I thought, was much oh, more... Oh, Blue Beetle was a lot more put together, I think, too. It still had its messy Where's this trench part that we're looking at? Further, further, further. Uh, Higher, further, faster. Further, further. This already looks better than what we saw. Wait, pause. There. This is what we want to see. Look at that. Yeah, that looks This, this is good use of slow motion. Visually too. stunning. Now, this is the part where I think it's really cool because when we when you talk about how a shot's supposed to direct your eye, the half, oh, that's cool. half above, half below is really cool. And then like the juxtaposition of the blue water with the red light really to draw your focus. And then the, the and being, gets, they're being framed by the sea life. It gets darker too the deeper they go, which is like pretty cool. Pretty cool attention to detail. Like you, I feel like that's what you don't like about <laughs> Wakanda <laughs> forever, yeah. <laughs> well, in this scene, it, but it makes sense because, like, you see all the, I mean, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I gotcha. <laughs> this looks cool, though. Yeah, I mean, you talk about, like, it's busy on the edges, but it frames the shot. So it, Yeah, and you can follow the action. You, you know where to look. And you can still, you know that it's busy, but you still are knowing what you're supposed to pay attention to. This is cool. Yeah, I think it's a, a, an improvement. Those monsters look cool, too. The monsters, I thought, looked fine in Aquaman, too. I mean, the deserters yeah. looked pretty cool. The, the, the Necros people looked pretty cool, but there was nothing to me that, like, st stood out. Like, I'm not going to see something in another movie and be like, oh, that reminds me of the deserters, yeah. you know? It felt like they just a little bit like generic. Dried out season. bones, yeah. guys. Um, We've talked a lot about each of these categories. Let's do a quick recap of what we've done so far. So story, I gave it a 4 out of 10. 6 out of 10 for me. 5 out of 10 for me. Acting, 5.5 out of 10. 4 out of 10 for me. 6 out of 10 for me. And cinematography, I also gave it a 5.5 out of 10. I gave it 8 out of 10. I gave it a 6 out of 10. And now we're going to sound design, which includes the soundtrack, the... Um, Sound design, so like the Foley work, and then what's the other one I'm missing? Why do I always miss this? The score. The score. Um, so I gave this a 5.5 out of 10 as well. A lot of 5.5s. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I gave it a 6. 
I also gave it a six, but to me, like, I, again, I don't know so much about the technical side of this stuff, but I don't know. It sounded fine. Yeah, you, you don't have to know. <laughs> Just a feeling, you know? Yeah. I, I gave it a six basically because, like, I found myself noticing the score. Like, I found myself noticing the score in, like, not a very positive light. It just felt like it was coming up in, like, kind of like an 80s action movie kind of way. It's like the submarine would be shown and it would be like, Burr. and there was, like, a villainous score that they would use for Orm and one that they would use for Black Manta. I thought they were fine, but I didn't feel like it really, like, I felt like it was super menacing or, like, I like the like the Riddler like, score in the Batman. Is I feel like you had cool. to really pay attention to notice both of the individual characters like they yeah. sounded very sound. similar yeah. to, to villain score. and I and like i was i remember sitting there yesterday being like what does aquaman sound uh, i don't know if does he have one <laughs> probably does he i just does. i couldn't it's just not recognizable you know like uh like the batman or you know even the dark knight like you can think of their soundtracks yeah. in your head you like, know i couldn't tell you a single song that was played off the soundtrack in this movie so well I, I also think they played too many actual songs uh, that didn't there, necessarily relate to the movie there is a scene when aquaman breaks orm out of prison and they're going back into the water where there was that was like the only time i remember being like oh i know this song that's playing in the yeah. background but yeah. I can't remember what there's it was. No, there was no lyrics. I'd heard it before. It just like was a 15-second, 20-second part of the song. I was like, mm -hmm. why not just make something original there? That didn't add to the movie at all. It just it actually took me away because I was like, oh, I know this song. And it's done. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I thought the sound design was pretty good. You know, what'd you, like what'd you give it? A 5.5. .5. Oh yeah, 5.5, 6, 6. 6, yeah. Yeah. Like I thought the sound of the machines and the animals and the yeah. ocean the water like i thought that all sounded cool which is honestly really hard to do because right now I, I just finished probably 95 percent of the sound design for our short film and our short film's like six minutes long and it took forever because <laughs> you're you're whenever you're recording this stuff especially when it's cgi you're not recording any of the sound besides audio of the actors yeah and even sometimes that's done after the fact so like literally every single thing you hear is done after the fact so like if your shirt rubs against the character or something you have to find like the cloth sound you know or if your hand touches the table you have to find that sound or and if your like, boots are walking yeah they're making sounds for like porpoises and stuff like really, yeah really random stuff so yeah kudos to them for that um our next category is set and character design. This is out of five points. One, so excited to hear more. his score for this. Hold on, one more uh, footnote for the uh, yeah. sound design. Yeah, uh, Tobo. <laughs> uh, it's it's Topo. Topo is it? I know it's Tobo, but yeah, he's that was his sounds were a little jarring. Yeah, he sounds like very like goofy. Yeah, you know, like they're trying to make it like he's talking kind of. I guess. Yeah, um, he sounds very goofy, but I I don't know. I remember yeah. like. Rem remembering yep. like it's memorable you know as soon as it happened we both imitate it to each other <laughs> yeah when we're watching the movie okay so set character design this is also what you see on the screen like cinematography but more of like what's real like or their decisions behind it like why did they choose this location oh that was really cool why are they wearing this oh that was that looked really cool that was really well done why did they choose a blue screen yeah. Oh, here's another scene. Why'd they choose a blue screen? Yeah. <laughs> so this kind of goes all that, but we only give this category five points, and I gave it a 2.5. 
I'm super excited to hear Zach's score specifically because I know Zach loves costumes, especially yeah. comic accurate costumes. I gave it a three. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like some of the suits are cool. I like the introduction of the stealth suit, um, but the, the sets are all blue screens. Really, it feels like. What what, what did you? I give? gave it a four out of five. That's. I thought I I would have have not been shocked if you gave it a five. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What was your favorite part? Black Manta suit. Oh, Black yeah. Manta suits. Really Dude, cool. in both of these movies, Black Manta suit is the best suit out of out of everybody's suits or yeah. costumes or whatever. Um, I'm not against the Aquaman suit with the orange. I think it's pretty cool. I love that. Accurate colors. I think he looks way cooler shirtless <laughs> with the tattoos and stuff. That's how I do Momoa. I'd be like shirtless the whole movie. The only complaint I have about the Aquaman suit is the giant green gauntlets. Like I would have preferred something more comic booky where it was like a green kind of glove mm-hmm. with a fin or something not i don't like that big like, a little more slick looking thing he has yeah. Yeah. i would have hated a fin honestly i would like a fin even less personally I feel <laughs> like it would look goofy and cartoonish but you don't just... mean like an actual like fish fin right no, like but you mean like, like just like a at, yeah like if a you look at pictures coming of off comic aquaman he has like not a dorsal fin, but it, it has yeah, like a. That's a better description. Yeah, I'm imagining like a big fin is what I'm imagining. It's, I call him that forearm. That's it, it's kind of like Batman's um, gauntlets, scapples, or whatever they're called. What are they called? Yeah. Um, but, but his is solid. Like yeah, like for yeah, yeah. So I don't know. I would. I don't really like his gloves, but. Jason Momoa gains like 40 pounds when he has that suit on compared Dude, to the black suit. He looks, there's a scene where he's at the head of a table and that motherfucker's just, wider than the table. He's huge. It's yeah. like the uh, suit that Anthony Starr wears for Homelander, how it makes him look a lot Bigger. more jacked than he is. It's just Jason Momoa is also really big, so it just like doubles his size. Big. It's like the suit yeah. that... Uh, it's like the Zachary Levi suit for Shazam. Yeah. Only he's huge. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I thought the the suits were cool. I liked the main trio, I guess I would say, like Orm suit, the black outfit with the symbol of Atlantis at the waistband, mm-hmm. and Black Manta and Aquaman. Those suits were all really cool. Mm-hmm. I like in that in both movies, Aquaman one and two, like I guess probably James Wan or whoever's making the the costume decisions. I know there's like a costume department, but. I like that they're not afraid to go for the comic book suits because they yeah. could have made Ocean Master look just like generic, generic, oh, bad underwater guy. And they like rolled hard on his helmet and the silver and the blue. Like it looks perfect. I think me. that he should have been a little bit more afraid when it came to making him ride Storm, the giant seahorse. I think that's. Uh, I that think also Storm, goes into this, I feel like, into this category. Design. Yeah. Storm looks really cool. But when it's moving, it doesn't look very cool. Uh, like the I don't know if it looks cool. <laughs> I don't know, dude. I think it looks. Cool. I don't. I, mean, I don't really know. Seahorses are cool, I guess, but not dude. giant rideable ones. If I saw Batman in like a giant bat wing in Batman vs Superman, I'd be like, "Sick! What do I get?" And James Wan would be like, "You're gonna ride a giant seahorse, <laughs> glowing blue." Yeah, I think it's cool. It's bioluminescence, which I think is super awesome, but. <laughs> are seahorses bioluminescent? No, I don't think so. But I don't care. Should put it that jellyfish. Not real life. That's what <laughs> I'm trying to say. Yeah. I complained like... in the first movie about them sitting still on a great white. So they were like, the "Hey, hold my beer. <laughs> I, I got one better for you. A giant glow in the dark seahorse. I wish he would have been riding on a uh, regular sized seahorse." <laughs> 
I wish he would have just swam himself. <laughs> yeah, he's faster than all of those and things, I agree anyways. Because there's a scene in this one where um, Atlanta is like chasing. There's yep. a chase scene, and she's on this like robot shark. And then she catapults and forward. leaves that thing into dust. What's the point of that thing? Yeah, maybe it's like to save energy. You know, potentially, because uh, well, they seemed really tired when they, they like crossed the that, ocean. That long swim, yeah. yeah. They seemed unnecessarily tired at that point. <laughs> um, all right, let's move on to our last category: rewatchability. This one for me is a really important one because if I want to watch the movie over and over again, that says how good it is, even if it's not the best made movie, you know, and yeah. it's still something that's really fun, and I want to watch it over and over again, that means it was good. Balances, it related to me. Balances us being pretentious. Yeah. <laughs> so rewatchability is out of five points. Um, I'm going to go last <laughs> on this one. Zach? I give it a two. Okay. I definitely will watch it again, because I usually watch everything twice. Yeah. Um, so I'll definitely watch it again. Well, it's not the amount of times you'll watch it in your whole life. No, but isn't it? Isn't it's it like if you were like to be asked five, asked five times, times, yeah, and you yeah. were doing nothing else, yeah, and it was, hey, you do nothing, or you watch Aquaman: The Last Kingdom. Mm -hmm. two, two, I'd probably, two, I'd probably say out of five, yeah. Andrew, I give it a one, a one. I give it a zero. <laughs> I don't want to watch, watch it again. again. I, I don't. I was thinking about it last night on the drive home. I'm like, you know, I, I think I gave the Flash a zero. Like this was better than the Flash, and then I was thinking like. Would I actually ever want to watch this again? And the answer is no. The movie wasn't that good, and it's also the last movie in the series. So, like, I'm not going to have to watch it to be in the loop with anything else, you know? Like, I'm just thinking if I get watched five times, if I get asked five times to watch Aquaman The Lost Kingdom, it's going to be It'll Zach. be the fifth time gonna, when you're annoyed. It's going to be Zach all five times, and Zach's my friend, and I would probably say yes one out of those five times. <laughs> There. So that's saying <laughs> one to five to Zach, not <laughs> one to five to the movie. I think it deserves a one. Okay. I, I okay. didn't want it. That's fair. Hey, that's fair. I don't know that that's I've fine. ever given a zero for rewatching. Not movie. even for The Flash. I'll go back and look, but I think I gave that a one also. Yeah, go look at that. Uh, I The Flash? I gave it a zero. <laughs> I rewatched it, but I only got to like a certain that's point, great. and I was like, I can't finish this right now. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, That's I give the flash to zero. Give this one a zero. So my total score out of ten points came out to be a four point six. Mine came out to be a five point four. I don't know what mine came out of because mine said third. Mine said out of fifty. Yeah, so so my yeah, total so was just, thirty. Okay, so three three point oh. Yeah. Okay, three point oh. What was yours? Uh, you gave it a three point oh. Yeah. What you? Oh, no, that's it? not right. It's a six, right? Oh, no, you're right. 30 out of 50, 6.0. 6 yeah, okay. you gave it a 6.0. I gave it a 4.6. What did you give it? Uh, 5.4. So I gave it the highest rating. Yes. Yesterday, too. Which makes we, sense. We expected it. <laughs> See, our unbiased thing kind of worked out. When we talked about it last night, I think I said a 6 or a 7, too. Yeah. So. What I, did I say? Didn't I say like a 4 or 5? I think you said like a 3 or... Two? I was low. I, I, was low. I, I was low. Our expectations for what we were going to rate it were fairly low. I thought I would give it like a six or a seven. I ended up giving it a five. Do you remember what you gave the Flash, Andrew? Overall, I yeah, can, I can pull it up. I think quick. I was on the Flash episode, was I not? Yeah, yeah. I don't remember. We wouldn't do a Flash episode without you. Well, I appreciate that. I gave it a four point eight. I don't remember. So I rated this lower than the Flash. That's crazy. Where the heck is it? Me. Wow. Flash. I rated this lower than the Flash. That's not how I truly feel. Did you really? 
No, you didn't. There's no way. 5.4 for Aquaman and for Flash. 4.8, right? Oh, uh, because so I rated it quite a bit higher. Never mind. I'm safe. <laughs> I rated this movie higher than The Flash, which is how I feel. You did? Yeah. What did you rate The Flash? 4.8. Bro, what episode is The Flash? 4.8 versus 5.4. What episode was our Flash? I deleted it off our YouTube. No, I'm just <laughs> I see a Flash trailer. Batman, the boys. There it is. Okay, I found it. I gave it a 3.6. Zach gave it a 4.0. Episode 80 if you want to watch our Flash review. Yes. Which, you know, <clears throat> watch so, it for the support for these guys. The yeah, Aquaman Sorry. gave it a... I gave it a whole point more this time around. Really? I think I gave it two points more? Yep. I... What was your flash one? I'm sorry. 4.8, I think you said. Okay. 4.8. And what was this one? Like a 5. 5.4. People have heard okay. us reiterate these numbers so much. At this I know. Point. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> okay. That that wraps up our scores. Is there anything else that we wanted to bring up before we go into kind of our current standings of the box office draft? Um, I could do the comic origins. Yeah. Let's hear it. Okay, so I have comic origins and comic recommendations for uh, Aquaman 2 The Lost Kingdom. So starting off with comic recommendations, these are some things that you can go and read if you're interested in origins for some of the characters or for the storyline for the movie. So the storyline overall for the movie, from what I understand, is based in a comic book called Adventure Comics Volume Number 1, um, number issue number... 452. It's also called uh, Dark Destiny, Deadly Dreams. And this issue is a story where Black Manta kidnaps Aqua Baby, Aquaman's son, and he forces Aquaman and Aqualad to fight each against each other. Um, he um, Spoiler alert for the comics. I'm just going to say what happens for people that are interested. So Aquaman and Aqualad don't kill each other, and Black Manta kills Aqualad. Now, that is... <laughs> Obviously, Aqualad is heavy. is replaced in this story with Ocean Master or his brother Orm, and the baby survives. Is it is it Garth, Aquaman, Aqualad? Garth, um, I'm not sure. I couldn't tell you. Is it Calder? Yeah, I know you know who Calder is. <laughs> yeah, I know Calder. I love Calder. <laughs> Garth is in the Justice League, um, the Young Justice show. Is he? Yeah, um, and then so a couple other comic book recommendations. Uh, in 1965s, you can read uh, Aquaman 23, the first appearance of Aqua Baby. Uh, you can also, from 1956, read Adventure Comics number 229, the first appearance of Topo the Squid, yeah. that we all love. Um, the first appearance of the stealth suit shown in this movie is in 1968 in an Aqua mini series. Um, and the. So the let's see if I'm missing any here. The first appearance of Dr. Stephen Shin in this movie played by Randall Park is in 2011 in Aquaman Volume 7, um, number two. So um, the other thing I wanted to go over was the origins for Aquaman, specifically the retellings uh, from 2011. This 2011 uh, series, uh, The Secret Origins of Aquaman, tells the story of where Aquaman came from as he's telling it to his mother, his life story. It's a little bit of a retelling of his original origin story from the Silver Age, but um, a lot of the, de the details stay the same. So um, we'll kind of follow this along and explain the differences here between this and the first Aquaman movie and how that differentiates our Jason Momoa Aquaman from the comic book Aquaman. So in this story, Aquaman is born because his 
father is out on the water and is actually saved in this version by Queen Atlana instead of vi vice versa. She saves him when he's basically shipwrecked and takes him out of the water. They fall in love, have a baby, name him Arthur. Those details all stay the same. Um, and then Queen Atlana, without telling uh, Tom Curry, Aquaman's dad, who she is, she leaves kind of with very little explanation and returns to Atlantis. So uh, Tom Curry raises Aquaman, raises Arthur at that time as, you know, his own son as a single father, not knowing that that his son is half Atlantean. He knows that she came from the water and saved him, but doesn't know like the specific details. So as he's getting older, he wants to kind of like study his son and figure out these abilities that he's forming with like positive goals in mind to help his son and kind of understand what they're going through because he doesn't understand the backstory. He calls and befriends Dr. Stephen Shin, who is played by Randall Park in the movies. Now, Dr. Stephen Shin in this storyline is initially just a friend to the family who undertakes this journey with them because it's a research opportunity and he's a curious scientist. He studies Arthur. Um, and then when Arthur turns 18 and is graduating from school, Dr. Shin reveals his plans to publish his findings because through his research, he's discovered that Arthur is Atlantean. He's discovered that Atlantis is real. And he wants to now publish these findings and share them with the world. Tom says, no, the world isn't ready. I don't want my son being revealed like this. And that's where they kind of have a falling out. Now, Tom goes back home because the agreement had their their research being done out of their home. All, the, all of Dr. Shin's information is kept at Tom Curry's house. So he destroys the research and throws them into the ocean, which leads to them further drifting apart. And Dr. Shin goes and pays a mercenary to go and get a hidden blood vial that is at Tom Curry's house, a piece of uh, DNA of Arthur Curry, the soon-to-be Aquaman. The mercenary goes into the house and confronts Tom Curry. Now, at the last moment, Arthur comes into the house um, and kicks the mercenary out the window. Uh, his father has already like basically collapsed to the ground. So instead of chasing the mercenary, he takes his father to the hospital. His father um, like gives him like a peaceful message as kind of his last words and his father dies. But ignoring his father's peaceful message, he goes out on a vengeful hunt for the man he believes to have killed his father, this mercenary. He finds him and in a dark twist for Aquaman, strangles him to death with his bare hands right in front of his son, um, which is crazy in these comics. Um, and his son as we know from the movies, is Black Manta. Now, if Aquaman had stuck around at the hospital, he would have learned that his father was indeed not killed by the mercenary, but he died from like some kind of ammonia poisoning that had been sickening him previously. And he had a cardiac arrest brought on from the, the fear of the break-in. So like he wasn't directly killed by this mercenary and has now made a lifelong enemy, his most iconic enemy, the Black Manta, swear vengeance against him and come after him. And that is the origin Sheesh. of Aquaman in a nutshell. But... Isn't that crazy? Doesn't that origin make Aquaman look way more like the bad guy? I'm honestly on Black Manta's side in that his dad was doing a job he was paid to do to take back research that was basically supposed to go to Dr. Shin in the first place. And then his dad like gets confronted, defends himself, gets kicked out a window, strangled to death by Aquaman when he comes back. And like now this guy's seeking vengeance for his dad. He kind of seems like he's rightfully owed that vengeance. Like Aquaman should have kind of stuck around and found out like... Give me a Black Manta movie. <laughs> That's what Sony would do it. <laughs> yeah. One thing I like about um, the Justice League Unlimited Aquaman, or, well, I guess the uh, the Justice League the first series, um, he's kind of an antagonist, like, when he's, like, first introduced. Um, I don't know. I think it was, I think that worked in that show. Oh, I see what you're talking about. That's in, yeah, that, that's in Unlimited? I think, no, it's in, I think it's, it's in regular, it's in regular Justice League, League. Yeah, yeah. 
That's where he gets that badass hook for a hand. Mm-hmm. Which we said we wanted to see in this movie, but yeah. we didn't get. Jason Momoa with a big hook on I his hand. I feel like the, the, um, the Brian guy, he's like, my claw got cut off. <laughs> I feel like that was <laughs> like nod. A, a little wink. Yeah. But... There was a lot of nods in this movie, like nods to Wakanda, nods to Iron Man at the end, nods Loki. to Black Panther at the end, nods to Loki. This is a this movie's a buddy brother comedy. It's like Thor: The Dark World, like mm-hmm. a lot of Marvel nods. Yeah. But with that said, Aaron, you want you prepared some statistics for us for yeah. our box office draft, which if you haven't seen, I, what episode is it? Uh, let me see. Aaron I think it's like off the dome. He's I think so it's like special. episode twenty or something. It's really early. So we did a box office draft at the beginning of the year where we each drafted five movies to see who could pick the highest grossing earners throughout the year, and we've been following it throughout the year with much anticipation, um, and you know, giving each other jabs the whole time. So <laughs> Aquaman is the last movie for Aaron's team specifically, but overall, because it's in December, it's the last movie of the year. Episode fifty. The fates of our team. So go back and watch episode fifty if you want to see us make those picks and laugh at us. Now that it was a fun episode. It was, especially now, knowing the results of all these movies, you can really go back and watch and laugh at our terrible <laughs> predictions. <laughs> um, and we're, we will do a official 2023 box office draft recap as well um, here in the next few weeks. But this is kind of we don't have the a little numbers yet. teaser because our last movie of the draft finally came out. So it is now on the screen for everyone to see. Like we got it. Andrew's team, my team, and these are listed in order that they were drafted so andrew got the first pick so he picked mission impossible dead reckoning and then my first pick was guardians volume three and then back and forth back and forth all the way down to aquaman lost money uh and five (laughs) how long have you been sitting on that joke the whole morning boys the whole morning my first question to would be to zach and it would be when you saw these picks who did you think was going to win at the beginning of the year um I honestly probably would have said Aaron. Yeah, me too. Beginning because he has so many superhero movies. Yeah, and like he, superhero movies were were doing much better yeah. previously. The way that I here it seems like superhero movies really. Yeah, I think Andrew and I had two different approaches approaches for the draft. Like I tried to go very like statistical uh, with it. Like I I looked up like all of the last box office earnings for Marvel for uh, live action adaptations from disney movies like four of the five last live action disney movies made a billion dollars and the fifth one made 900 million so i was like oh here we go yeah you know little mermaids a no-brainer and it only made 569 million yeah and then i went with more of an approach of like partially what i wanted to see and what in my gut i felt like audiences wanted to see Mm -hmm. and then i kind of what was like in the talk, I guess, like, yeah, because I, because there was a lot of letterbox talk about like Spider Verse and Barbie, and with yeah. Top Gun Maverick coming out, I felt like Dead Reckoning was a surefire hit. So that's more my thought process. Yeah, it's crazy that your first pick of the whole entire draft is like middle of the pack in terms of revenue, and then your last pick is the highest. My last two picks are two of the highest. Yeah. Yeah. I got really lucky getting Barbie at the five and you had no faith in it. Even, so even your flop, your Ant-Man and the Wasp, if you want to call it a flop. Did better than your flop. Was at 470. And that that doubled, more than doubled their budget. And then the Marvels, man, just. Is the Marvels out of Wait, theaters? Because so many movies have moved into theaters. I could just see it being pushed out. I, I'm not 100% sure, but these numbers are updated as of 
December 23rd. That is today that we're filming. Uh, so all these numbers are up to date for their box office scores. I am currently just under a billion away from Andrew, so I need Aquaman to come in hard. Oh, dude, the Marvels flopped for you. I thought it would still be in theaters longer, but so many movies came out in December, and this is a November release. There's nothing on Fandango. Yeah, it it got hit hard, man. I was expecting, like, okay, the the first Mar uh, Captain Marvel movie brought in a billion. If it gets half of that, Success. it's still a decent movie for this draft, you know, like... That that would have made more than your worst movie if it got five hundred yeah. million, you know. But it was three under that, which is so much, if so you, much. If you guys you guys are just looking at like the the money the movies made, I wonder if um, there's a way that you could look at like other ways that they made money, like for example, like toy sales and stuff like that. I don't know if that exists. Oh, I wonder. Mario Bros. and Barbie probably both through the roof yeah, on both of those. Made so much money and like Mario also put like, out a video game this year. There's a yeah. there's Mario a whole uh, like there's all kinds of Barbie clothes now that you can buy and yeah. and all that stuff. Mar like Mario merch, you know. Like I I was looking it up and stuff when we did this draft. Mario was the biggest video game franchise in the world. Brought in so much money. Zach says no. Zach says it's Pokemon. It's Pokemon. No, it's not. Not in terms of revenue, at least. I don't know. Pokemon, I think, is the most... I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong, but... I think you're wrong. I don't know, dude. Every Pokemon game... I had so stats, much. bro. So much. <laughs> Mario's just really accessible to a lot of people because there's really no talking in Mario. Mm -hmm. So you don't have to convert it into different languages. It's just ready to go in every country in the world. Yeah. I, I, I don't disagree that Pokemon's very popular, but I'm pretty sure in terms of revenue, Mario is the highest. It might be. And that's why I drafted the movie, because I figured it would have a pretty big pull. Which was brilliant. And I was shitting my pants when Mario... You didn't even have it on your list, right? And I didn't have Barbie on my list. No, I, I didn't write it down. I mean, obviously Mario's a contender, but I didn't write it down for my list. And Yeah. Man, what a miss. We both missed I, Oppenheimer, too. I feel like looking at the picks here... Like, I would have not have guessed that Barbie and Super Mario's would have made the most money. It's yeah. wild, yeah. Do you, do you guys think that Aquaman Lost Money will make more money than the Marvels? God, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I don't know, man, because the, the reviews haven't been good, one. Two, there's like 10 movies that literally just came out yesterday, both on streaming and in theaters. So why would people go see this if... People haven't been talking good it's about, about it. It's about to be on HBO Max in like five weeks. Yeah, yeah maybe four. <laughs> but just for our audio listeners, I'm going to read some of these numbers because we have some followers on Spotify. Um, we, we mentioned that you'll be able to see it on screen if you're watching on any of our video platforms. You can even see it on Spotify if you like. Yeah. Um, but if you're driving or what have you, um, I, my name's Andrew. I have Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning, Fast X, Ant-Man and the Wasp. Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse and Barbie with a total gross from all those movies of $3,880,000,000. And then, Aaron, do you want to recap your team? Your yeah. Broad strokes? Hello. My name's Aaron, and I have the losing team of <laughs> Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, The Little Mermaid, the Super Mario Bros. movie, The Marvels, and Aquaman Lost Money. And that brought me to a total of $2,981,000,000. So about $900 million gap between us as of right now. Hopefully Aquaman can make $900 which, million. Which it, it was possible, right? Because I had the you, Marvels, which 
could have made 500, 600. That wouldn't have been a stretch, like at the beginning no. of the year when we made this draft. And then having Aquaman do the same, another billion 500, dollar, 600, yeah. a million dollar movie. like Another movie that made a billion on the the prequel. Yeah, like we we literally could have been like within hundreds of millions of dollars, but then these two movies just tanked hard. What's yeah. crazy to me, I think Aquaman's going to set a record for like most money between the... the Aquaman one and Aquaman oh yeah, two. like mm-hmm. I don't, the, I don't know. I don't know every movie the Marvels might, <laughs> yeah, the Marvels is right oh, there. Yeah, Either the Marvels or there. Aquaman, and I got them on my team. Luckily, Aaron, they're setting rec- My team is setting <laughs> records, baby. <laughs> but if, if you want to see a full breakdown, Aaron has uh, a breakdown here on the screen now. If you are listening, you can check out the budget and gross for each of those 10 movies we just mentioned and see yeah. the details. When we do our box office draft uh, recap as well for this year, I want to pull out like a bunch of stats, like have all the Rotten Tomatoes score, all of the opening weekends, all of the IMDb scores. So like numbers I, I, on numbers, on numbers. Yeah, I really want to try to like dive into these 10 movies that we picked and really see how we did in comparison to like the top 10 movies of the year and see how many of those we actually drafted. Now, I'm excited to see your guys' picks for next year. I'm excited to do it. It's going to be fun, even though I'm not. There, there's not. I'm not as excited for the year of movies in right. 2024 so far. But with this box office here wrapped up, I would like to end this episode, getting us a little bit back on track to Aquaman. I wanted to talk to you guys about how you thought Aquaman ended the DCU as we know it, and what your thoughts are looking forward to 2025 when we're starting James Gunn's DCEU, starting with Zach. I was going to say, can I go first? <laughs> um, <laughs> I thought that overall the movie was good, but I it left a very sour taste in my mouth that the last scene of um, the DCEU, which had some great parts, was Orm eating a cockroach. I did not like that at all. It, it felt like, um, I don't know, I guess you could say a slap in the face. Like they they didn't pay any kind of tribute to any of you know the past characters and, and not, there's nothing there's no like this is the end you can tell this is the end it was like okay this is this is arguably the dumbest post credit scene i've ever seen it's um, literally james gunn just being like get this movie out just, I, I don't think even it's, care it's probably the worst post credit scene i've ever seen too yeah. um and then as far as looking towards the future i'm i am like stoked and so excited to see like the first tidbits of the DCU kind of start to come out and, and our first look at Superman's suit and the first trailer for Superman. I'm excited for Creature Commandos. There's I cannot wait to see this start, get the ball start rolling on this new universe, but I have a conspiracy. I don't actually think that's going to come out at all. No, no, no. <gasps> you heard it here. <laughs> I don't think that Jason Momoa is going to play Aquaman anymore, but, but... The last two DC movies have hinted, you could look at parts of them as hints towards him being Aquaman in the new universe. Because in The Flash, Barry Allen says to him, I've traveled a whole bunch of multiverses, and like most of the time, Jason Momoa is Aquaman. So then if you look at that, that could be a hint that like he's going to be one of the characters that carries over into the new universe. And then... At the end of this one, uh, I'm pretty sure the last line is, I am Aquaman, which is like, you could look at that as a hint of saying, like, I, I'm Aquaman still. 
There's also chain throwing in Aquaman 1 when he throws the chain around Black Manta's face and Orm throws a giant chain in this and Lobo uses a chain. So if we're really digging in <laughs> deep, if we're that really That seems like more of a stretch to me. Yeah. Actually, like mine are actual breadcrumbs of like... Him saying I am Aquaman is is more of an actual breadcrumb. Than a chain? Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't think it's it, going to happen. It I think they but... need to just... Get rid of everyone and start completely over. Oh, we already know that's not going to happen. I know, and I'm saying that they—that's what they should do. They just I start agree. over. I agree. Yeah, yeah. Start, if, if you're going to start you, fresh, start fresh. Have exactly. Have old stink on it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I and agree. I wish it doesn't even seem like over. Jason Momoa wants to be or ever wanted to be Aquaman. He originally auditioned for Batman. Did you guys hear him? Say yes, that? Mm -hmm. for Batman, and then he went in, got a call back, and he thought it was like for a villain or something. They're like, no, no, no. You're gonna be Aquaman. He's like, what? <laughs> so like, I I don't, I don't know. I don't feel his like love for the character I, to continue into yeah. another Iteration. franchise, especially of after it, you know, like it, yeah, you know, not gonna make any money and stuff. This I I genuinely don't think he will. Okay, be you don't have to rub it in my face. <laughs> oh, Sheesh, man. <laughs> but um, it's personal now. I okay, an argument could be made that people could could believe. That he might continue to play Aquaman. I think they, it would have been funny if they ended it with, I am Aquaman, no post credit scene, and then he's back as Lobo. I would have loved to see <laughs> That would have been funny, right? Like, oh. I am Aquaman. Nah, <laughs> Just Lobo. Just if, if they showed a scene of him as Lobo, it would have been a billion times better of a post credit Did scene. you guys see recently there was a comic panel where Lobo was dressed as Aquaman? <laughs> no. That's hilarious. Not. Yeah, we'll look it up. But people were like... They're confirming it. They're <laughs> no, confirming I, I think it. they should start all over. I agree. I, I wish they would have gone just completely new. Yeah, no recasting. Viola Davis is great characters. as uh, Waller. Amanda Waller and, and John Cena's great as Peacemaker. But it's like, is that why, why are those two the ones that get carried over? Like, it doesn't really, I don't know. I just recast Cause, everybody, cause but they worked with, They worked with him before, with James Gunn before, yeah, I guess. So, so are they going to keep like... Their Harley Quinn and Bloodsport and like all this stuff too. It's it's very that's what's annoying I, about I it. I think that Harley Quinn will probably still be Margot Robbie because really yeah. You think she's gonna do that role for another five, ten, fifteen years? Probably. probably. I don't think so. Just because one Barbie made so much money that which is why I James think that should be pulled away like, from it even more. But it's a guaranteed. I mean, not like she's not gonna be you know, getting work or whatever, but it's a guaranteed paycheck for kind of not a whole lot of like stress, you know? Like, I think they could give it to someone else. They could also give it to someone else for cheaper, mm -hmm. which means they could put that money towards making the rest of the movie even better, you know? I can well, see it go either way because if, I, if I'm James Gunn and Margot Robbie just headlined a movie that made over a billion dollars, that's star power that I I would want access to. Well, but, then just keep the DCU the, how you have it. Just fix it. You're, keeping, you're keeping all yeah, the like, You can't because, like, one, there's... You can. You can do whatever you want. Well, you could. These rules are just made up. There's problems <laughs> with so many of the actors from the first one, whether Ben Affleck is getting too old and he, and he doesn't, you know... Ezra Miller's a criminal. Ezra Miller's a criminal. <laughs> um, the back and forth with Henry Cavill, like... The, the bad blood. The problem between. with Henry Cavill is just the studio. I, I agree. <laughs> yeah. The back and forth yeah. of them saying like blackout Superman's face for four different appearances. Do you want Margot so, to be the next? 
Harley Quinn? No. I mean, I think it, they should go with somebody who's like, and not that she's old, but go with somebody younger so that way you can Stick use with that them. I mean, like, for, for a lot longer. Yeah, she's not that old now. What is she, in her 30s probably? Yeah. I mean, in 15 years, she'll be 45, let's say. You know, mm -hmm. like, that's getting up there, you know, for carrying an action franchise. You know? I think I I mean, we got 50, 60 year olds doing it, like John Wick, Ethan Hunt, Mission Impossible. It's equal. Yeah. How old is Denzel? Yeah. Like, yeah, studio, they don't care. <laughs> they keep, they'll keep it's making true. pumping out movies. It's true. They just don't let women do it, honestly, which is unfair. Yeah. The age true. standards very different. But I mean, we were even movie. talking about how we want like a younger Batman, you know, yeah. to kind of fill out this and universe. i agree i would like, want a new fresh face for harley quinn too yeah that's just a separate conversation is like the how long you'll let somebody carry a torch you know yeah mm. and it's not like and it's not even like okay she'll be old then but like she's already one of the top actresses in the world like why would she do this again mm -hmm. you know she's already done it she already did it really well like i feel like she personally or i would i would want to move on you know like hey yeah. this didn't work i did my best I'm doing really good over here in Barbie like, and everything else that I'm going to touch. It's, it's like Christian Bale. It's like there's no way in my mind they didn't approach him for that end scene in The Flash. That had to be the oh, first yeah. pick. And why would he do it? Right. Yeah. Well, yeah. Because he's Christian Bale, too. He's very, like, artsy. You know? He's, so I agree. I don't think he would have been like, yeah, I'll come back for this. He is. I mean, he also did Terminator Salvation. Like, it's. Yeah. It's not like he's unwilling. Yeah, to he do does it. other big. Action. But I feel like to him, it's kind of like the Chris Evans thing. Is like that Batman story was pretty much is like it's good and done, complete, complete. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So he doesn't have any like real desire to come back yet. He only has a um, desire to come back if Chris Nolan comes back. And but it, thank goodness, it would be pretty epic. Even in like ten years from now, they oh. do just a one-off movie. It's still in the Dark Knight universe. Yeah. No other universe. The Dark Knight Returns the, with the mutants. <laughs> and they That'd bring Chris Nolan back directing like, a, be like a, a few minutes of Gotham. You never know, man. Who who would have thought that we would ever see Michael Keaton play Batman again? You yeah. Know? Or or even even crazier, you could argue. Who would have thought we'd ever see George Clooney like reprise his role? Obviously, he wasn't suited up as Batman. Yeah. But who would have thought that he would be like, like he's publicly apologized for Batman and Robin. Yeah. Who would have thought he'd want to like dip his toes back in that you know right so in 15 20 years we might see this dceu kind of cast of characters how crazy would that be though? in some another shape. christopher nolan batman movie they'll yeah. never they'll never do it yeah. but it's awesome i don't know they, why they wouldn't because it would make money they might if it's like in his own universe nolan has 100 percent control but and they also the studio, they studio, studios won't do that anymore they won't do 100 percent control and that's what nolan requires but they 15 they, years. They ended it with. I mean, him. they already have Matt Reeves, and he kind of seems to be 100% in control of his world. They ended it with him, like, passing the baton and living this, like, life, peaceful life out with Catwoman. Like, well, it would be undoing the ending to their perfect trilogy. But that, well, I, it's, I mean, it's like yes the, and no. Just like, like the Dark Knight. Do a live action Batman Returns, like you said. I mean, I would love sick. to see it, but they he already, was like, they already, he was old in that one, they, yeah. retired and stuff. They already used elements of. Like yeah, the, and, the Dark Knight Rises is obviously inspired by Dark Knight Returns mm -hmm. in like a lot of senses, but because he's like, you got no cartilage left in your knees, and yeah. yeah, I mean, there's lines from the Dark Knight Returns in, uh, in Dark Knight uh, Rises. Andrew, you just have to speak it 
in the world, so it happens. Okay, I don't appreciate your negativity towards this. <laughs> I think it would be awesome. I'd go see it for sure. I mean, hell yeah, I'd absolutely. Go see it. If there's still theaters in 15 years, don't don't speak that into existence. <laughs> All right, anything else to wrap up this? I enjoyed long episode. I enjoyed Aquaman. I'd recommend you at least see it once. I enjoyed Aquaman because I got to watch it with my friends. I do not recommend. This was also you yeah, this watch was it like once. the first time we've got to hang out in like ages. Months. Yeah. Well, other than birthday parties. Yeah. But yeah, I'm I'm very grateful to anyone that stayed to the end of this episode, <laughs> our like longest episode of all time. One of. It's one of, yeah. It's but not the longest. I definitely appreciate it. We love having Zach on the show to talk about movies, so it tends to go longer with I the love three being of us. Here. And we like we like talking about superhero movies especially. So the the only way that Zach will come back on the show though, he told us off the air is that if you hit the subscribe and like button. Yeah. If you it's don't, true. then Zach won't be back and you'll have to listen to just Andrew and I, which we know that's not what you want. We're very negative. <laughs> no, but, You've uh, got a little positivity uh, in your life. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Although we've been negative on the Aquaman, me and Aaron do always like to qualify with the fact that we know nobody sets out to make a subpar movie. We know everyone, they try to put their heart and soul into it. We discussed some of the production issues they had with Aquaman too, a lot of reshoots. They, the editing, the special effects team, cinematography, cast, directing, producers, they all did their best, I'm sure, to try and make a movie that people would enjoy. Yep. Um, me and Aaron, I think and Zach too, even, didn't particularly enjoy it, but that doesn't mean that a lot of people didn't work hard on it. So, Yeah, absolutely. It's Congratulations hard. to them for finishing the movie yeah. that we weren't sure was going to get put out. We thought it might get shelved. It's hard to make a movie, let alone a good movie, and even harder to make a great movie. And that's everyone's expectations of movies is that they want it to be great. I'm going to spend, you know, and that's really hard to live up to and drive out of my way. Yeah. It's really hard to live up to expectations so. to enjoy it a lot. Yeah. Like Andrew, congratulations for everyone getting this movie done. <laughs> um, I, I do think like for some audiences, this could be like a really good movie. Like I could see watching this like younger, like eight, nine, 10, and just absolutely loving this movie. Like we talked about, there's a lot of bright colors, a lot of cool action, you know, like a lot of cool little monsters. funny jokes in there. Like as an eight, nine, ten year old, I feel like I'd love this. Yeah, movie. I mean, I, I compared it to Hellboy: The Golden Army, which is a movie that I loved. I I, mean, I still like it because I watched it when I was eight. Yeah, I'm just exactly. watching this movie much older. Yeah, exactly. All right, I think we should wrap it up here. Thanks so much for watching. Make sure you hit that like, comment, and subscribe button. It helps the channel out, and it also helps us justify bringing Zach back on the show. Thanks for watching. We post new episodes every Monday and Thursday, and that's, that's a wrap. wrap.